Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I'm James Harding. I'm the editor of Tortoise and the host of The News Meeting. It's the podcast where we try and make sense of what should be leading the news with three people who each come and pitch the story that they think matters the most. On the latest episode, we're joined by the journalist, historian and author Satnam Sanghera. Like almost everyone, we go down the rabbit hole of that Princess of Wales photo editing story, and then Satnam explains why he thinks the Church of England paying reparations for its links to slavery should really be leading the news. Just search for Tortoise News wherever you get your podcasts and follow the feed so you don't miss an episode. Tortoise. Autumn 2017. Nicola Sturgeon has put plans for a second referendum on hold. Arguably more popular than her predecessor ever was, she's trying to make sense of the 2017 election result, in which the SNP lost 21 seats. One of those seats is Alex Sammons, the former First Minister and one-time mentor to Nicola Sturgeon. In November of that year, a select handful of journalists and other acquaintances receive an invitation to a launch event at a bar in London. Much to the shock of some of the people there, he announces he's going to present a show on RT, the Kremlin-backed TV channel formerly known as Russia Today. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of The Alex Salmon Show. I'm looking forward to you joining me every week. He'll be doing it with his close friend, the former SNP MP, Tasmina Ahmed Sheikh. Let's clear up this business about how you turned me down. I know I did. So why? I know, but I had been offered another job. And it was, it was a job. Back up in Hollywood, journalist Kieran Andrews has to rely on Twitter for the big unveil. And it was a Thursday night. The hacks are all in the, in the bar in Holyrood, as is kind of tradition for the end of the week. There's a few drinks. And Alan Smith, now an SNP MP, who was then an MEP, is standing at the bar and he gets shown Andy's tweet. And he says something along the lines of, that's a fucking disgrace, and you can quote me on that. But it was just, it was just chaos, because nobody could quite believe it. Nicholas Sturgeon and Alex Salmon's relationship has been on the wane for some months. RT is the point of no return. You know, Nicola finds out on her way to a British-Irish council meeting, and there's a press conference the next morning, as there always is at these things. She's asked a question by a BBC reporter about Alex Salmon's show on Rush Today, which she answers... And as she walks off the stage, Leo Varadkar's Taoiseach at the time, takes her to one side and is like, are you serious? Like, really? He's doing... And she had to say, yes. And you got that wherever you went from anyone internationally, that a former First Minister was appearing on Russia Today was seen to be giving, like, approval to the Russian regime. And we were not for doing that. So very hard for her to then just have conversations <laughs> or engagement with someone who's appearing on Russian television. So I was just going to say, like, essentially, that's sort of that's the last point of contact. But while the news that the former first minister has a show on RT comes as a shock, it's nothing compared with what happens next. 
On a Thursday afternoon in the middle of August 2018, journalists at the Daily Record receive a leaked document from a whistleblower. It contains some of the most serious claims ever made about a politician. Before they even publish, Alex Salmond issues a statement to a perplexed press pack who are unaware that a major story is about to break. Looking at it, I'm going, what? I, I don't really understand what what is what's going on here, trying to read between the lines. And then 15 minutes later, David's story drops mm-hmm. in the daily record. I am not guilty of harassing anyone and I am certainly not guilty of any form of criminality. Campbell Gunn, by now semi-retired from politics, is moved to act for his former boss. Actually, I left a voicemail to say, sorry to hear about this, if there's anything I can do to help. And he phoned me back and said, would you handle the media for me? And uh, as it happened, that that lasted about a year. That took a year out of my life, just about. Yeah. Included in the preemptive statement, Alex Salmon says he is taking legal action against the Scottish government. Because he felt it was a, a flawed process. The initial complaint was something that had been dealt with under the previous complaint system to the satisfaction of the complainant and Mr Salmon. They then introduced a new complaint system and the complaint was re-raised under the new system, which he felt was unfair. Mm-hmm. As it turned out, there were, there were other flaws in the system as well, but that was the initial problem. I don't want to go into too much detail about the complaint itself, but the, the re-raising of the complaint under the new system was actually made before the new system was signed off by the First Minister or was published on the government intranet. Salmond then convenes a press conference at his favourite steakhouse, the site of his agreement with Nicola Sturgeon back in 2004, the Champagne Inn. Kieran Andrews, who along with David Clegg has written the definitive account of this time, recalls the shockwaves reverberating through Scotland's political and media classes as the story unfolds. If you can imagine, it's, it's basically the same as if David Cameron had these allegations made against him that he had uh, sexually harassed people in Downing Street. Winding back a few months, there are two key meetings, one in Nicola Sturgeon's Holyrood office on the 29th of March and one at her home on the 2nd of April. None of the people we spoke to were willing or able to discuss the first meeting between Sturgeon and Salmon's former aide, Jeff Aberdeen. Initially, Nicola Sturgeon publicly says she didn't know about the claims until the 2nd of April, But in a later written submission to an official inquiry, she says the discussion on the 29th of March covered the fact that Alex Salmond wanted to see me urgently about a serious matter. And I think it did cover the suggestion that the matter might relate to allegations of sexual nature. She says she forgot about this first meeting. The second meeting is somewhat clearer. Liz Lloyd sets out what happened on the 2nd of April when Alex Salmond visits his former protégé along with two of his allies. The two politicians speak privately while the aides wait in another room. I was with Jeff and Duncan Hamilton and they essentially showed me the same piece of paper that he was showing her, which was the list of allegations against him. So the mood was pretty dark and pretty angry. Partway through the meeting, Sturgeon's husband, Peter Murrell, comes home. He doesn't intrude, going for a shower instead. Whatever is said between Salmon and Sturgeon, the two leaders walk away with a different understanding of what has been agreed. He left that meeting thinking she'd agreed to help him, so it wasn't until later that Alex Salmon decided the relationship was over, but 
it was at that point that Nicola Sturgeon did. There's an exchange of phone calls and messages back and forth, but the relationship is now irretrievably broken. In a phone call in July 2018, Sturgeon tells Salmon she wants to draw a line under our contact. One month later, the story becomes public knowledge. It's at this point that each politician feels betrayed by the other. He wanted to believe that Nicola Sturgeon wouldn't do that to him. Mm-hmm. That even if she wouldn't support him, neither would she betray him, I suppose, in the, in the way he would think about it. Because loyalty is really important to Alex Hammond. He, as a First Minister, is someone who tried not to ever sack or, or accept the resignations of, of ministers when they were under pressure, and he thought that loyalty should be repaid. So if he feels that Nicola Sturgeon has not repaid the loyalty that he thinks she owes him, then that's a a really big blow and a really damning indictment of Nicola Sturgeon from Alex Salmon. As Sturgeon will later recount, the meeting left her feeling physically sick with an overwhelming sense of betrayal at the alleged behaviour of the most influential and important person in my adult life, apart from her parents and husband. Somebody that I loved on a level. Things begin to move fast. There's a judicial review, which Alex Salmond wins, and there are official inquiries into how the Scottish government handled the case and whether Nicola Sturgeon has breached the ministerial code. But just as it feels like the focus is switching from Alex Salmond to Nicola Sturgeon, Police Scotland announce an arrest. They say we can confirm a 64-year-old man has been arrested and charged. That 64-year-old man is Alex Salmond, charged with 14 offences, including attempted rape and assault. So, so talk me through that day, because um, am, I right in thinking, am I right in thinking that, again, he made his statement or Q&A before you'd actually seen the charges? Yeah, it was not a great day for Scotland's legal system and the openness and transparency that should be there with um, Scotland's court and legal system. So what happens that day is, first of all, a tweet goes out by Colin Mackay, who's STV's political editor, the Scottish television's political editor, saying that Alex Salmond has been charged and is due to appear in court. So everyone, there's a mass stampede up to the Sheriff Court in Edinburgh. It's a really cold day, everyone's standing outside, freezing. Alex Salmond is inside and his petition's been heard in private. So he comes out does a piece to camera, takes a couple of questions from uh, Sky News who are outside and leaves as journalists are trying to shout questions at him, all of which are being done entirely blind because it's not until later that the email comes through with the list of charges, which were just incredibly serious. It was a very bizarre day all round, which, which I suppose set the tone for what was going to come next. Just over a year later... Following a two-week trial and against a backdrop of rising COVID case numbers, Salmond is cleared of all charges. He doesn't deny behaving inappropriately on occasions, but his lawyer argues that it never reached the threshold of criminal behaviour. The jury agrees. Outside court, Salmond tells journalists... As many of you know, there are certain evidence that I would have liked to have seen led in this trial, but for a variety of reasons we were not able to do so. At some point, that information, that facts and that evidence will see the light of day. But it won't be this day, and it won't be this day for a very good reason. And that is, whatever nightmare I've been in over these last two years, it is as of nothing 
compared to the nightmare that every single one of us is currently living through. Overshadowed by the pandemic, lockdown, daily press conferences and a rising death toll, the feud between Nicola Sturgeon and Alex Salmond takes a back seat. Eventually, Nicola Sturgeon is cleared of breaching the ministerial code. I'm very pleased that James Hamilton has concluded that I did not breach the ministerial code in respect of any of the allegations that were made against me. Um, I've always been of that view, but independent adjudication of that is important. The Holyrood Committee rules that she misled Parliament, albeit not knowingly. She is heavily criticised, but doesn't face any formal sanction. With strong public approval for her handling of the pandemic, Sturgeon is bruised, but certainly not defeated. In the spring of 2021, the campaign for that year's Holyrood elections gets underway. Alex Salmon's political comeback has been much talked about, but so far it has amounted to nothing more than rumour. Jeff Aberdeen is now working in the private sector. Um, and then it all went quiet. And then I took a phone call from Paul Hutchin asking me, do you know anything about Alex Salmon launching a political party tomorrow? No. In Scotland's former First Minister, Alex Salmond, has re-entered frontline politics this afternoon, announcing that he's to become the leader of the new pro-independence Alba Party. Implicit in Alex Salmond's campaign launch, just six weeks before the vote, is a criticism of his former protégé, as he calls for the Scottish government to get a move on with a second referendum. Today, Alba are hoisting a flag in the wind, planting our saltire on a hill. In the next few weeks... We'll see how many will rally to our standard. He denies that Alba has been set up to get back at Nicola Sturgeon, telling one reporter, if I wanted to destroy her, that could have been done. Indeed, if he's set on revenge through the political sphere, he fails. Alba wins just 1.7% of the vote. The SNP, meanwhile, secures a fourth consecutive term in government. It's a victory for Nicola Sturgeon. And yet, in the ensuing months, it's clear the fight has gone out of her. I think... Post-pandemic, if you like, there had been a, a hope for better, a hope that people might find ways to raise above, that we might be able to tackle big issues, that we might be able to get back to having serious debates and discussions about political issues and policy issues that the country needed to address. And it became, again, very driven down to lowest common denominator, very personal you know, not very high-minded, the nature of the political debate in Scotland during this period. And I think that played a part in sort of just making her a bit scunnered with the whole thing. And when you've been doing it for eight years, when you've gone through Brexit, when you've gone through a pandemic, I think it was reasonable to say, I'm kind of done. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. I'm James Harding. I'm the editor of Tortoise and the host of The News Meeting. It's the podcast where we try and make sense of what should be leading the news with three people who each come and pitch the story that they think matters the most. On the latest episode, we're joined by the journalist, historian and author Satnam Sanghera. Like almost everyone, we go down the rabbit hole of that Princess of Wales photo editing story and then Satnam explains why he thinks the Church of England paying reparations for its links to slavery should really be leading the news.
Just search for Tortoise News wherever you get your podcasts and follow the feed so you don't miss an episode. It's early 2023. On the other side of the world, Nicola Sturgeon's Kiwi counterpart Jacinda Ardern announces that she is standing down. I know what this job takes, and I know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. Ardern's departure prompts questions about Sturgeon's commitment to the job she's held for even longer. How much is in the Nicola Sturgeon's There's tank? There's plenty in the tank uh, at the moment. If I ever, I don't mean just on a single day, everybody wakes up some days and thinks they don't have enough in the tank, but if I ever reach the point, what she has clearly reached, where I think overall I, I just can't give the job everything it deserves, then I hope I have the same courage she's had in saying, OK, this is the point to go. But just for the avoidance of all doubt, I don't feel anywhere near that right now. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. When a surprise press conference is called just a few weeks later, those in and around Holyrood are caught off guard, as Campbell Gunn recalls. I had a call from one of my former colleagues who now worked in Fleet Street. Uh, quite a senior guy and said, we understand that Nicola's going to resign. And this, I said, no, not a chance. Surely not. And I, I said, no. I, I, he was asking me if I'd heard that. I said, no, I hadn't heard that. And I didn't believe it for a minute. I am announcing my intention to step down as First Minister and leader of my party. If this was just a question of my ability or my resilience to get through the latest period of pressure, I wouldn't be standing here today but it's not. This decision comes from a deeper and longer term assessment. I know it might seem sudden, but I have been wrestling with it, albeit with oscillating levels of intensity for some weeks. It wasn't just those on the outside who were blindsided by Sturgeon's announcement. Liz Lloyd, by this time perhaps her closest member of staff, only learns what she's planning the day before the rest of the world. She called me into Butte House the afternoon of the Monday and went up to her study. She just told me that, you know, she was done. And she looked hugely relieved and could just like tell instantly that just reaching the decision had already like given her a sense of freedom. The SNP's Westminster leader, Ian Blackford, is told the night before. I I don't mind admitting that I, I spent some time trying to convince her not to do it. But uh, her mind was made up. Journalists are trying to make sense of her decision to quit, apparently for no particular reason and without a handover plan. I remember getting a call from Beth at Sky to be like, is she OK? Like, on a personal level, is she sick? Is there something I should know? Like, Because she couldn't understand. And I think this was general. Like, why is she going? She's top of her game. She's, you know, the most competent politician in the UK right now. During the press conference, Sturgeon insists she's not going because of short-term issues, such as a toxic row over her support for gender self-identification. But she is also asked about another topic that has been simmering away in the background for some months, a black hole in the SNP's finances. Codenamed Operation Branchform, police have been investigating allegations that more than £600,000 raised by the SNP specifically to campaign for a second referendum has been improperly spent on other activities. By the time Sturgeon resigned, the police have been investigating for more than 18 months. How have you gone from having plenty in the tank three weeks ago to an empty tank today? What is it that's changed over the last few weeks? You've mentioned some things. The only thing you didn't mention is the police inquiry into the party's finances. Look, these things are not uh, the reason I'm standing here 
today. Uh, these are not factors, nor will my decision today affect these things, uh, and all of these things will, will take the course. I, I said something in my remarks that I appreciate will divide opinion in Scotland. Um, I'm a human being, and Every human being... Every On top of the missing £600,000, it has emerged that Peter Murrell, the SNP's chief executive and Sturgeon's husband, loaned the party more than £100,000. There are reports that the police will soon begin speaking to key witnesses. The story has long been dismissed as a partisan attempt to undermine Nicola Sturgeon, but it still hasn't died down when she decides to quit. Liz Lloyd is adamant that it did not play a part in Sturgeon's resignation. She wasn't part of the investigation. She wasn't part of the party's response to the investigation. Um, you know, yes, there was an inquiry going on, but, you know, it it was happening, if you like, over in the party space. It was being dealt with. You know, the police were doing their thing. The party was responding kind of end of. It was going to run its course. But within weeks, against the backdrop of the contest to succeed Nicola Sturgeon, another unthinkable moment occurs. Dramatic development in Scottish politics. A 58-year-old man has been arrested this morning in connection with an investigation into the funding and finances of the Scottish National Party. That 58-year-old man is understood at this stage to be Peter Murrell, the husband of Nicola Sturgeon. The discovery of a £100,000 luxury campervan on the driveway of Nicola Sturgeon's mother-in-law captures the country's attention. A £100,000 luxury motorhome was reportedly wheeled away from the house in Fife as part of the active investigation into SNP finances around the spending of £600,000 which was earmarked for an independence campaign. And then, two months later, Nicola Sturgeon herself is arrested. That woman is Nicola Sturgeon, the former First Minister of Scotland. She resigned uh, in the middle of March and today she becomes the third senior member of her party to be arrested in connection with this investigation. Even for jaded journalists like Kieran Andrews, this is an unprecedented moment in British politics. The images of police officers coming in and out of SP headquarters in Nicola Sturgeon, Peter Murrell's back garden with that blue tent out the front door, um, it, it, it was, yeah, it was an incredible moment. And for sheer drama, is pretty near the top of, of what you say, is a very crowded field. Watching from afar, Jeff Aberdeen has a similar response. It's one of those things that will stay with you for quite some considerable time. And it, and it was just this huge political figure suddenly having something in her garden which you equate to, you know, an episode of Taggart. Or, you know, uh, it was, you know, and you're saying, what is going on? Having only just stepped down from her demanding job as chief of staff, Liz Lloyd's response is that of a concerned friend. I was in like my sort of second week of, you know, freedom. Um, and I actually missed her call. Uh, I'd gone off to like an exercise class in the morning at like half past six or something. Um, and I got back, took the dog out for a walk and then picked up my phone because I was learning this new life where you don't have to look at your phone first thing in the morning. And it was about eight o'clock and quarter past eight or something and there was a missed call from Nicola. So I like, called her back and she said, I'll phone you in a minute. And I think at that point she was being moved by the police to somewhere else. Um, so phoned me when she was no longer in the police car and was just in an absolute state of shock. 
Nicola Sturgeon issues a firm denial of any wrongdoing. Uh, for now, I intend to go home, uh, catch up with some family. I know I'm a public figure, I accept what comes with that, but I'm also a human being that's entitled to a bit of privacy and my neighbours are also entitled to a bit of peace and quiet as well. So thank you very much. Just Have you considered stepping back from the SNP? I've done nothing wrong and that is uh, the only thing um, I'm going to assert today. Alex Salmond has all the air of a man vindicated. The tears that you see are, are something to do with the with hay fever. I was wondering if you were getting a bit doe-eyed about, you know, the old... Uh, the no, no, I, I thought I should... Former I, colleagues. I, well, I've been, <laughs> <laughs> been deliberately trying to get the tears running, no, but... Well, actually, I mean, people ask me, you know, they keep phoning me up from all places. I get dozens of phone calls every day saying you must be jumping for mm. joy, and, and, and the reality is, no, I, you know, I, I did spend... You know, two decades and more building up the SNP from nothing at all yeah. uh, to being the dominant force in Scottish politics. So, it, it, you know, there's kind of a, a big emotion mm. that you don't like seeing the disintegration. No, of something that took a long time to, to build up. At the time of recording, just like her husband Peter Murrell and party treasurer Colin Beattie, Nicola Sturgeon has never been charged. However, it's been less than helpful for the new First Minister, Hamza Youssef, who billed himself as the continuity candidate. Uh, uh, he so regrets that. I'm, I sure, mean, I'm sure he must go to bed every night and go, God, I wish I hadn't well, when, when Megan And Youssef's lack of experience in crisis comms shows. Uh, well, yes, of course I'm surprised that one of my colleagues uh, has been uh, arrested, uh, but uh, you know, it's a very serious matter indeed. The once unassailable party, led by two of the most charismatic politicians of their time, suddenly looks weak. For Keir Starmer, the decline of the SNP is a happy coincidence. The Labour leader's path to Downing Street via Scotland looks all but guaranteed. For believers in Scottish independence, the SNP's polling is a temporary setback. Let's remember that journey from going into government in 2007. Support for independence was, what, 20-odd percent, there or thereabouts at that time? So we've, it's now become the settled wall for, I would argue, for close to majority, if not a majority of the public of Scotland, that Scotland should be an independent country. So the groundwork's been laid for someone else now to come and finish that job. But those caught up in the feud aren't quite ready to move on. Nicola Sturgeon continues to act as the SNP for Glasgow Southside. And she is getting on with making her new life. You know, she's in Parliament, she's being an MSP, she's writing her book... Uh, She's done, you know, a number of public events over the period since that all happened. And I think she's just, you know, you can put your life on hold or you can get on with it. And she's getting on with it because, as you say, she's robustly denied, you know, any wrongdoing of any kind. And so she's just going to carry on building her new life. Alex Salmond continues to dog the SNP both politically. The SNP had better watch out because, I mean, the SNP is the party of Scottish independence or it's nothing. I now sometimes fear that the party and the people making decisions kind of have one eye over their shoulder as to what's Alec going to say and what's Alba going to do, which is pointless. They don't need to do that. They're, they're not significant threat in that sense. And in the courts. Despite the passage of time, Alex Salmon remains convinced of a conspiracy to get him and has no intention of letting things slip. As we record this, Salmond is seeking £3 million compensation in a new legal case against Nicola Sturgeon and public officials, accusing them of a string of offences that prompted one report to say only the kitchen sink is missing from the Salmond charge sheet. In the case of who betrayed whom, one actor is very definitely seeking retribution. And I think Alex Salmond is a very angry man, and Alex Salmond will want, at some point, his revenge. And as I speak... There are more cases in court. There are more complaints to the police that are currently under investigation. 
Whether there is that conspiracy or not, I don't know. But all I'm saying is, if if you are in the camp that says there was this conspiracy, mm-hmm. then the conspiracy failed. And even worse, you didn't have a plan B. Yeah. So you now have a very angry former first minister who's been acquitted of the charges, who is now hell-bent on making sure that he gets his revenge on those he perceives to have caused the problem. For now, though, the story of Nicola and Alex is drawing to a close. A sequel is already in the works. To the question of who'd done it, who betrayed whom, the answer is perhaps both. That sense of betrayal appears to be shared by the country they governed. And, judging by the polls, will be reflected in the ballot box. The political outcome seems easy to predict, but human beings are less so. It's a lesson in the power of personality politics and its perils. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Slow Newscast. If you liked it, then please do rate and review us. Betrayal, Alex and Nicola, was written and reported by me, Kat Nealon. It was produced by Valerio Esposito and Matt Russell. Sound designed by Dominic Delaghi. The editor was Jasper Corbett. If you enjoy the Slow Newscast, you might also enjoy the We Society podcast. It's from the Academy of Social Sciences, and in each episode, host Will Hutton untangles the grand challenges we face as a society through a social science lens. He's gathered some of our country's most groundbreaking and influential social scientists to ask how their research could help solve some of the UK's and the world's most pressing problems. In the coming season, the We Society will tackle Britain's ailing high streets, bankrupt councils and the continued lack of disability inclusion, as well as other similarly important subjects. So if you want to hear research-led insights and solutions and a great conversation, look up the We Society on all podcast platforms.